Welcome to LinkedIn Smart, a podcast revealing secrets to success on LinkedIn. Each week, we interview one remarkable person willing to share their best strategies. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the interview. Here is our host, Vitek Ladislav. So today on, uh, on our LinkedIn Smart podcast, we have a very special guest. Um, is a LinkedIn expert, social selling strategist, and international speaker. She's also a LinkedIn trainer, and she's building uh, the sales pipeline. And Sam Rattling. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Thank you very much, uh, Sam. And uh, before we uh, dip into LinkedIn and nitty-gritty stuff about LinkedIn, can you please just uh, introduce yourself, what you do, and um, you know all that normal stuff at the beginning? No problem. Yeah. So um, I'm Sam Rathling. I've been uh, on LinkedIn since its very early days. I found LinkedIn when I was living in uh, the Netherlands. Back then, I was a recruitment consultant, so I found LinkedIn as a very early adopter. In 2005, I moved over to Ireland, uh, knew nobody, had to network, and I built, I started a business, um, became an entrepreneur, and realized that I could use LinkedIn for lead generation as well. Um, and in 2010, over a decade ago now, I actually started teaching business owners how to network and how to get business from the LinkedIn platform. Um, written a few books on the subject, um, most recent one, LinkedIn bound, uh, Amazon bestseller, and yeah, it's been an absolutely amazing journey. And I track and measure all the results we get for clients. And in the last 18 months, we've generated 93.7 million pounds for our customers through LinkedIn. Oh my God, that's a, that's a good number, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, on a, I'm on a bit of a mission. I have this big, I have a goal to do a billion pounds in sales for my clients by 2025. Well, well done, well done, well done, Sam. Before we get into nitty gritty of, of, the, of the stuff, you know, how to do that and, and all that, I would like to ask you, you mentioned that you were the early adopter of, uh, of LinkedIn. Can you, can you just take us back um, in time and tell us a little bit about, you know, how it was in those times? Yeah, it's, it's funny actually watching back some of the presentations and speeches that I gave over those years and seeing some of the videos and how LinkedIn used to look. It's kind of crazy how it's developed so much and changed so much. But um, I think very much in my early days, it was when LinkedIn was very much a CV uh, platform. It was where you went to find a job or move career, etc. So, um, and obviously it's evolved massively, especially over the last number of years. Um, but for me back then, I mean, I was still probably applying the same strategies I do today. I just had a much smaller network. And back then in, you know, 2010, having a, a few thousand connections was considered to be, a, you know, a really big network. Obviously now it's, it's much more different than that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's always been for me the go-to platform. Um, it's my happy place. I, I am on the other platforms and the other social media platforms. But for me, LinkedIn is the place, especially for B2B anyway, where you can really get massive traction. And I, I fondly remember my early days of working the LinkedIn platform because it helped me start and create the businesses that I've now got today, you know. Hmm. If, you, if you're looking at the LinkedIn then and now, what do you see as the biggest change which you would, you know, notice? So great question. I think it's that shift from it being CV recruitment candidate driven to now it being much more of a content play and much more accessible for business owners, especially you know, small business owners who don't have a big marketing budget, who don't have a big spend. The amount of organic reach you can generate as a small business with zero spend 
is to me mind blowing. And I think that's been the biggest shift is seeing obviously LinkedIn growing in terms of its numbers and its size, but also the shift from where it was to now being a phenomenal place for anybody to build a personal brand and to get huge traction on their, on their activity. Hmm. And also as a, as a LinkedIn maverick, I wanted to know, is there anything what you do in the same way as you've done it years back? Do you do some, some you know, the same thing uh, over the years, you, which you've found as a, as a proven track record of proven, proven strategy? Yeah, I think um, daily prospecting. So actually um, consistency is key with LinkedIn. Adding people into my network who are in my target market, um, whether it be from when I was in recruitment days or now as a LinkedIn expert full time, I think that the, the activity of expanding, proactively expanding your network and reaching out to people in a non-salesy way to um, engage them in conversation and really build relationships. I think the building relationships part has never changed for me. Um, I, whether it's offline networking, which I've done for many years, or online networking, I think the key thing that most people miss is they miss that building relationships piece. And um, I've, always, I've always said to people, you should go to LinkedIn to give, not to get. And people that go to LinkedIn to get tend to approach it in the wrong way. Whereas if you go with this giving mindset of how can I add value to others? How can I help people? How can I build those relationships? I think that's never changed for me. It's always been consistent for me all the way through. So that has been one of the strategies and that mindset of giving that will always be the thing that I can look back and 15 years ago, I was doing it and I still do it today. Sam, your, your journey throughout the LinkedIn is of course phenomenal. How did it come about that, you know, was it like one day you woke up and you said, oh, you know what, let me be a LinkedIn, LinkedIn expert. Um, you know, how was it? Can, can you tell us a story about that? Yeah, sure. Of course I can. So <clears throat> obviously I was in the recruitment industry. I was kind of getting a bit stale in that industry and I was looking for something new. I started going to some personal development seminars and I was introduced to a fantastic guy called Daniel Priestley, who wrote Key Person of Influence, KPI. Um, and other books like Oversubscribed and 24 Assets. Um, but I saw him speak back in 2010, I think it was. And I was like, oh, wow, I'd love to do that one day. Like, to, I'd love to be an expert in something. And at the time, I was teaching networking, both offline and online. And I'd used to spend in a keynote session, I'd probably spend 70% of my time on offline networking and going to events like BNI and um, referral marketing and things like that. And then I'd spend a portion of my session on online networking. And when I saw him speak and he talked about the power of niching and, and focusing in on one thing, I made a decision that I was going to become like the, you know, the go-to expert in my marketplace for LinkedIn. And over the course of the next couple of years, really started to transition. And I think there was one event that I went to, it was my very first ever conference where I was asked to do a keynote. And I asked the guy, how many people are going to be in the audience? And he said, oh, about 200. And I was like, oh my goodness, 200 people. And I think my, my biggest audience was about 20. So I stepped up on this huge stage, looking at the sea of people and did my uh, presentation. I was the only non-paid speaker at the event, but yeah, I was the only person who got a full standing ovation because it was such a practical presentation. And I think the minute that that happened, I always said that was the moment for me that I, was, I just thought I was born to do this. I love being up there and love seeing all the light bulbs going off in people's heads as they kind of were hearing what I was saying. And I thought, do you know what? I would love to do this full time. And that for me was back in 2010, so 10 years ago. And um, that for me was the day that I went, yes, this is what I want to do. Um, so it wasn't a 
immediate thing. It was probably a combination of things that got me to that point. Very, very interesting story. And um, as your life developed as a LinkedIn expert, what are you proud of? I mean, if you're looking at, at uh, the accomplishments of, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that you, you finished with your LinkedIn. I'm, I'm pretty sure that your <laughs> the mission is ahead of you. I, I'm, I'm sure of that. Of but, um, you know, what, what are the proudest moments up until now, what you can see back uh, in your LinkedIn journey? I love these questions, by the way. They're great. I think for me, one would be the, the results I'm really proud of the results that my clients get. So being able to track and measure and, and know that I taught someone to do something and it worked. Um, so I had a, an email just last month from a, a client that had, he'd, he'd been doing pretty well. His social selling index was in the 80s. He'd read my book. He was implementing lots of stuff. And then he sent me this email and he said, Sam, I can't believe what's happened in May in lockdown in the middle of pandemic. This guy had a post that went um, to 129,000 views. His profile views went up to over 8,000 and he secured 18 new customers in the month of May in the middle of a pandemic. And I look at that and I think that's why I do what I do. That Those stories of people just turning themselves into social selling superstars, that for me is like what makes me most proud. Um, I'm really proud of the team that I've built. I've got quite a, I've got a lead generation agency I'm very proud of the fact that we've been able to hire amazing people. In fact, the fact that we're creating jobs during lockdown as well. We've just taken on two new people this week. And I think, you know, that overall metric that I use to, to focus on results for the clients, that 93.7 million we've done in the last 18 months, that for me makes me most proud of, of late, of recent. And I think as well, just the book that I put together, the LinkedIn bound book, I get people posting about that all the time, every day, posting pictures in their garden, in the mountains, like they just take it with them all over the world. And it just, for me, I feel really proud every time someone does that because it's years and years and years of knowledge. Um, and it took me a long time to write, but I think, you know, that makes me really proud that people are actually taking what I've put into words and more importantly, taking action on what I teach them. So yeah, that, that's my proud moments, I think. Yeah, that sounds like it. And uh, I can see the sparks in your eyes, you know, talking about it. That's fantastic. So tell us, because we definitely want to know, you know, what are your secret strategies? You know, how, how can you generate, you know, that amount of, uh, of revenue and, you know, securing 18 new clients in, a, in the midst of pandemic for, uh, for clients of yours? Um, I think, well, I have eight social selling strategies that I, that I share with people. Um, but I think it comes down to three things. It comes down to firstly, before you do anything on LinkedIn, really understanding your target market and really getting a fine idea of exactly what your dream client looks like, not just your bread and butter, low value clients, but like the ones that would write you the biggest check for what you do or give, pay you the biggest amount of money and getting a real crystal clear in your head who it is that that person is. Because before you do anything on LinkedIn, I think for me that is, I spend a long time just on that one piece before I ever go into teaching client strategies um, on how to do it. Because if they have no idea who they're trying to sell to, then how can they create content that connects with that audience? Or how can they write an outreach message that's really going to resonate with their target audience? So I think before anything, it's getting clarity on that. I use an acronym called IDEAL, the ideal client. So the I stands for industries. So what business sectors or verticals they want to focus on. The D stands for demographics. So size of company, revenue, number of employees, headcount, et cetera. What do they actually look like? And what's the description of that business that they want to target? 
the E stands for experience. So the roles and responsibilities of the people that are in those organizations, do they want HR or the um, C-suite? Do they want operations, finance? Who is it? What job title do they hold that they want to target? Um, the A stands for attributes. So are they a fast-paced scale-up tech business or are they very slow-paced and traditional set in their ways? Um, and finally, the L is the location. So where do they want them? So before I get anybody focused on the strategies, it's that piece there has to be nailed. And if they're trying to sell everything to everyone, they'll sell to no one. So I think that's the a really key part of getting it LinkedIn right. Um, and then it's about having a really effective profile that speaks to that target market, having a prospecting strategy of daily outreach that builds your network with those people. And finally, putting out content. Um, people always say content's king. I have a slightly different view on the world in that connection is queen. And connecting with that target audience and making content that really resonates with them and hits those pain points, for me, is the thing that triggers inbound leads from the content, but also leads from the outreach as well. Hmm. Is it something mandatory which you do with every single client? You know, this ideal uh, thing which you were talking about, you know, uh, just pinpointing really the target audience which they want to sell to? Yeah, definitely. Um, they all go through the ideal client template, but also they look at the pain points of their clients as well. So I have another acronym for pains. Um, so they've really got to understand the problems, the challenges that those clients are facing, because if they don't understand their own customer, then they're not going to be able to make the right communication with them or build the right relationship. So definitely that. Um, but I, I usually share a 15 minute a day system that anybody can do, no matter how busy they are in their business which allows them to include prospecting content and, out and engagement. Those three things are critical for consistency. Um, and I think it is about little and often. It's not about trying to do one you know, massive drive and for a couple of weeks get really focused on LinkedIn and then get busy again. It's about that consistency and those daily habits, weekly habits and monthly habits that are going to get them to success. So for most of my clients, it's a 90 day process from learning the strategies within 90 days, as long as they implement with consistency that they are getting those leads starting to come through meetings, starting to get set up and those, you know, real results coming through. Hmm. Sam, is, is actually LinkedIn a lead generation tool for you as well for your business? Do you, do you, do you use it? I mean, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I love leads. <laughs> <laughs> um, I currently generate between five and 10 inbound leads a day for my business through LinkedIn. Part of that is just to do with my positioning, my brand, my profile, and you know, um, just me being out there as an expert. And then the other side of things is I do walk the talk. So I also have a prospecting campaign and I reach out to my target market, which for me is very large corporate clients with big sales teams who are probably invested heavily in Sales Navigator, but yet they're still not getting results. So. I proactively approach sales directors, chief marketing officers, uh, chief revenue officers, et cetera, in large businesses, which is my ideal client. But at the same time, I'm always getting inbound leads from uh, more SME type clients. Um, and I have products and services that serve all of them. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, five to 10 inbound leads a day with zero marketing spend. I love LinkedIn. Uh, very good. Very good. So how, how long do you spend on LinkedIn? What, what's, your, what's your daily dose of LinkedIn, I would say? You know what? People think that I'm on it all the time and I'm really not. <laughs> I think it's just because I get tagged in so many posts and I'm so visible on the platform all the time that people assume that I'm on it all the time. I do have a full-time assistant. So, cause I have so much, um, 
activity in my inbox that for me to keep up with that all the time, it would be near on impossible. Um, I speak probably six times, six to eight times a week. Um, and of course, everybody connects with me off the back of a, a speaking opportunity. So I generally get something like a thousand messages a month, which is a lot to handle individually. So I do have assistance with that. I do wherever possible, try and use the personalization of voice messages and video messages. I love that feature in the inbox. So if you guys are not using uh, in the mobile app, you're not using voice and video, like you're missing a huge trick there to make you stand out. Um, so where possible, so that people don't think it's just my assistant responding, I do like to leave voice and video notes for people. Um, but yeah, I probably, I'm probably at about max an hour a day. Most days I'm probably a bit less than that because I've got, if I wasn't, if I was managing my own inbox, it'd probably be a lot bigger. But for, for me, it's posting content, engagement is critical. And I have the prospecting and the message inbox taken care of now. But in the beginning, I didn't. I was doing it all myself. So I generally say to people, if you're busy and you're not in a business development role, kind of 15 to 30 minutes a day would be about enough. If someone's in a pure business development sales role, I usually recommend about an hour um, at least just because they can prospect more and, and self-generate more leads. Yeah, talking about inbox and about number of messages which you have uh, in inbox, just making me think about, about how badly designed inbox in LinkedIn is to handle these kind of things, right? I wish there was just a way to go, do you know, like an out, not an out of office, but just like a, I get a lot of messages. You know, if I could have a standard you know, response and just said, look, I get a lot of messages in my inbox. I will come back to you because I've got so many unanswered ones at any one time. And I think people, <laughs> I think it's just so difficult to see all of those messages. Um, I agree with you. I think the inbox design is terrible, but it is what it is. And I'm sure they're working on it as they are working on lots of different areas of the platform. But yeah, for me, with the amount of volume that comes through there, it's just a jungle. <laughs> Some, yeah, actually that, that brings me to another question, you know, what would you make better on LinkedIn? What, what, what do you see as a, some shortcomings? I mean, yeah, we were talking about uh, the, the inbox. Uh, perhaps there are some, some other things. What would you improve on LinkedIn? What would you really want to see that LinkedIn oh, improves? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let me answer succinctly though, because I could be here all day. Um, I definitely think that groups need a big shake up or a complete deletion and restart again. I think um, if you take how Facebook groups are so engaging, so easy to build community, um, so easy to build brand, I think LinkedIn's missing a huge trick um, from a group's perspective. I think if I could wave a magic wand and make those as brilliant as Facebook groups on LinkedIn, I definitely would. Um, I think company pages leave a lot to be desired as well. I think there's a lot of, I know they are making some changes and adjustments to that, um, but I think definitely the, the company pages need especially for the, the bigger organizations. I, th I think it's less so for the smaller businesses because if you're a single person business, one woman, one man band, um, it's definitely much more about the personal profile. But as soon as you start getting into the bigger corporates, they, you know, they've got full-time marketing people responsible for those pages. And I just don't think it gives you anywhere near the reach or the um, optimization you need to really get traction on, on and leads from company pages. Um, what else? Oh my goodness. Um, I think that they should have like videos in the banners, not just static pictures. I think having some visual element up there would be great. Um, there's so many things that annoy me, like little, little things. It's so glitchy a lot of the time. Sales Navigator, I think there's a ton of stuff they can do. I think their industry list is so backdated. So LinkedIn's got about 400 industries, but if you think about all the new industries that we have, mm. it's so limiting in 
being able to search for a particular industry. So if you think we've got fintech and medtech and SaaS, and there's all these like cool industries that you like people really want to target and yet they don't appear anywhere in the industry list. So there's so many things I, if I could wave a magic wand um, and change that I, that I would do, but that I'm, I'm sure they've got all of this stuff in the pipeline. It's just a lot to deal with, isn't it? Mm -hmm. When you're dealing with, you know, over 700 million members and a platform that is, you know, has got so many features. So what do you think about the, the new things which just uh, just recently were rolled out on, on the LinkedIn? Things like um, stories, things like polls and, um, you know, these, these new little features. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's good to see that they are bringing new features. Um, I mean, I don't have access to everything yet because obviously stories is brand new and it's not out in the UK at the moment yet. So I haven't had a chance to play with it yet. I am doing obviously research and things, but um, I can't really comment on something I haven't used yet. But I am kind of excited about the fact that they are jazzing it up a little bit and making it a little bit more social than it is at the moment. I get a lot of people saying that LinkedIn's boring and it's corporate and it's not fun. And I'm like, actually it is, but you just have to know how to make it fun. So I think stories will bring a new element. I think it will attract different people to the platform as well. I think it will attract a different audience. It probably annoys some of the traditional audience, but it yeah. will probably bring a lot of fresh blood over to LinkedIn. So I think it's a smart move. Um, but until I actually use it, I can't really comment so far on the, functionality because I can't wait to get my hands on it but from what I see at the moment I think the people that adopt that early are going to be the people that really push forwards their brand so I plan on as soon as I've got access to it you know to really use stories um polls you know they seem to get fairly good engagement I think it's a lot to do with the question you ask rather than the, the functionality of it I think if you ask a great question they can be fantastic but I've seen a lot of people asking really terrible questions just to drive the algorithm and I think I think there needs to be some education around what's what's a good poll and what's not so good poll. Um, I think the events feature is okay, but again, it's not really like, again, it's just, it's one of those things they've kind of got it, but it doesn't really do what it should do. So it's probably one of those things I'd wave a magic wand over as well. Um, but I think it's good that LinkedIn is bringing out so many um, new things. I love document posts. I think they're very underrated. Um, and that's where you can upload a PDF or a PowerPoint document and it turns it almost like into the turning pages of a book. But the algorithm loves those posts, like it really strongly um, loves those posts. And I don't think people really use that enough. And I think if you do a really strong document post, you can get thousands and thousands of views on a post very easily. Um, so yeah, so I think there's, there's lots of new things coming out. I love that LinkedIn is definitely getting more speedy with their rollouts and implementations. I don't have LinkedIn Live yet. I've applied, but I don't have it yet. But, you know, um, I think that there's some, there's some good stuff coming and I'm, it looks like there's some more good stuff in the pipeline as well. If you like to turn your LinkedIn into a lead generating tool, you should consider to enroll in our LinkedIn Business Audit Session. This 45-minute strategic call will give you answers you're looking for. We will show you a step-by-step -step strategy of what you need to do on LinkedIn in order to start generating business and land clients from your LinkedIn activities. Interested? Send your request to marketing at squaremotion.me or click on the link in the show notes of this podcast. Thank you. Yeah, talking about live and videos, um, obviously I'm not going to ask you now about live, um, but um, what about LinkedIn and video? What do you think about this combination? Um, I think video can work really well as long as people, I think you've, you've definitely got the captions and having subtitles really uh, makes it a lot more powerful. Obviously, you know, more than 80% of people are watching the newsfeed without any sound on. So I think having a very visual 
captioned video can work really effectively. I think that video is very powerful if you're, again, if your topic is aimed completely at your target market and is really resonating with those people. I'm testing different kind of optimum lengths and things like that. I think if you're doing something very educational and really positioning yourself as an expert, the, the longer ones can work quite nicely, but 30 to 60 seconds as a, a nice snippet, I think that works really well. I've loved following um, the goat agency. They're doing a daily vlog on LinkedIn and they're absolutely killing it on their documentary on their vlog. So I love that. They've got a full-time videographer following the guys around in the agency. And I just love what they're doing with video. So I think there's some people out there doing it really, really well, but there's also some people doing it really badly too. So it's the same with anything, right? I think it comes down to the quality of the, the content, not just the actual application of the tool. Yeah. And talking about LinkedIn Live, I actually applied several times and I pushed really hard. So I think for all people out there who are listening, if you, if you apply just once, uh, definitely apply for the second time, third time, just kind of like a push it through because, um, you know, uh, obviously you probably need to start doing some videos on your platform before, before you, can, you can apply. Yeah. But one more thing I wanted to ask you about is um, uh, they rolled out, I don't know if you have it in UK now, but they rolled out a feature where you can actually record your name, the, the pronunciation of your name. And what I, um, I don't know if you, if you got that or not, but uh, uh, I just heard recently that the people are actually they they recording not just the name but the sales pitch or, or kind of like a you know a, a tagline or or a little bit little bit more than that, which was kind of like an interesting way how to use that, right? Yeah, no, we have I haven't got it at the moment. I don't believe it's I think it probably is in beta mode here or something, but I don't have it right now. But yeah, I mean, I think with any any new tools, there's there's always going to be different ways that you can use them, etc. But yeah, I love the fact that you know because especially with you know like when you have a name like my my surname always gets pronounced the wrong way and I'm sure with your name like that's <laughs> you probably can't wait for it to be there is it already there where you are is it already in Dubai so I think yeah no it's a nice little feature I think um yeah I, I would definitely use it if I if I was there and I hadn't it's a good idea though like adding the tag onto there I think mm, that's a good yeah. thing as well yeah for sure you mentioned Sam that LinkedIn can be fun did you ever had any funny experience on the LinkedIn well I get terrible sales pitches all the time which I love playing with I love going back especially when they're from people that do lead generation on LinkedIn and they're like automated messages. I'm like, well, this is clearly why I don't recommend automated messages. So I probably get like two of them a day where people are targeting me going, oh, I can help you with LinkedIn lead gen. I'm like, clearly you didn't check my profile and you just use the bot to do this. So, um, so I get all sorts. I've never really had anything weird or funny. I wouldn't say necessarily just, I don't get any kind of random stuff. I think some people do, but I've just never had that, I think. I'm trying to think now I don't think I've got any like really funny stories about LinkedIn I did have one guy uh, recently actually he was he's on my mailing list and he decided to send me a nice um, horrible message about how I was spamming him and I shouldn't be spamming people and I was like hang on a second so we checked and made sure this guy was like on our list and we had the IP address when he signed up etc so we went on this massive rant and sent me this really horrible horrible piece of um, copy into my LinkedIn inbox and um Turns out that um, my business partner does quite a lot of business with the organization he represents and uh, he got himself into a bit of trouble over that. But uh, I just think you should be kind all the time. Like, why would you send a horrible message to someone? But um, nothing really kind of funny, funny, as in ha-ha funny. Just random, terrible sales pitches that I always turn into prospects. 
Um, okay, okay. Obviously, because you are out there, um, you're putting yourself in front of uh, other people, quite a number of, of other people, and I'm pretty sure that you got some, and you mentioned some awkward awkward messages. D- did you ever feel like um, like there's a negativity on a LinkedIn, or, or would you would you say that uh, LinkedIn is kind of like a, a quite quite polite platform? I'd say it's it tends to be more kind, polite, helpful, positive. I think any time that there has been a bit of negativity, I had one client, actually the client I was talking to you about that got all the business in May, the post that hit 129,000 views was his, um, he was starting to get a little bit of negativity on LinkedIn, not because of LinkedIn, but because his team was still working during the pandemic and during lockdown. And he was starting to get a bit of negativity coming towards him and his business for why are you still working? Why are you still you know, open? And the fact, the fact of the matter was that A, they were creating protection gear and really important stuff for the NHS and the the doctors and the nurses, but also they fix broken machine parts of food and drink companies. So Mm -hmm. the supply chain of the country was, you know, going to be affected if he he wasn't open. So he actually did this post that was um, him talking about the negativity that he was getting on the platform. And that's why it hit so many views because everybody, he, he was called scum a couple of times actually by people. And he was like, because he was still open. So he did a post about all this negativity that he was getting and that was the post that exploded so clearly people have an opinion about you know whether or not you should have that negativity piece in general i find linkedin a very professional positive great place to be and it's probably why it's my favorite platform much more so than you know facebook or some other platforms so for me i've never really experienced any of that negativity or the the critics or anything like that i don't i think that happens a lot more on other platforms so I think 99.9% of the time people know that they're there in a professional network and their reputation is being affected every time they post or comment, especially on LinkedIn. So. Some, I think kind of um, what I feel at least, it's uh, there's a lot of, lot of digital noise out there and especially during the COVID period now, there were so many things, you know, happening online and we were sitting in front of our computers from the, you know, morning till the night and it was kind of... Um, sometimes a bit overwhelming uh, and some of the people they you know they're coming back and asking me for example is there is there still a window of opportunity for us to actually come in and make some difference or uh, can we be heard in some way or another um, what would you what would you tell them how do they can make a difference on linkedin i think it comes back to that giving piece so um, think about ways that you can give that you can help that you can support that you can really stand out from the crowd by giving something of value to your clients, to your network, et cetera. So I do think that, you know, people should a continue marketing through the crisis. I think that people should still be out there, you know, staying top of mind. Ultimately, you know, not everybody's going to be in a position to buy from you right now. And they're not, you know, majority of people are not in buying mode, but when they do come back to being in buying mode, you need to be the person they think of first and stay top of mind and stay visible and stay credible with your network. So I think there are definitely things that people can do. Um, I've had quite a lot of those kind of conversations with my clients over what they could offer, what they could do differently um, to be more empathetic, I guess, within the current situation. Um, and I think it is it comes back to that giving piece. Um, mm-hmm. I was talking to a client in Canada the other day, and they're, they're looking at doing an added value series of things for their channel partners who aren't necessarily selling as much at the moment but they want to help them and add value to them so i think come from a place of adding value helping supporting and seeing how you can give 
and that will always stand you in good stead long term as well as short term. One of the common questions which I hear a lot from, from people on LinkedIn is always, uh, should I use free or do I need to get the premium account on LinkedIn? What would you say to that? So I am a huge fan of free because I think especially a lot of clients, a lot of businesses are not ready to start investing or spending money. So I, I think the free platform um, offers a, a lot for people just starting out. Um, I'm not a big fan of premium. I'm a huge fan of Sales Navigator. So mm -hmm. I don't really think premium is worth the money that people pay for it. I don't, I'm not a big fan of emails. I'm not a big fan of like, I don't really teach clients to do too much for profile views. But for me, Sales Navigator is like the Formula One of LinkedIn. I absolutely think it's a phenomenal tool. But I still say to people, don't go investing in Sales Navigator unless you really, truly understand what you're doing with the free version and you've been fully trained on how to leverage LinkedIn properly. Um, so I, I, yeah, so that, that for me is, you know, and a lot of the corporates are going to that already using sales now, but yet they've had it for years and the team is still not generating leads. Mm -hmm. And of course, LinkedIn always say, oh yeah, we offer free training when you buy licenses, but what they don't teach them to do is they don't teach them to craft the right messages to prospect effectively, what kind of content should they be putting out to build their personal brand. They just teach them what buttons to press and how the tool works because they're a software company. So I think that um, Sales Navigator is phenomenal, but don't go investing in it unless you know how, unless you really know what you're doing on the free version. How easy or difficult is for you to kind of introduce the social selling to, uh, to people around you. I mean, I know that social selling, the term is quite new for many people, perhaps they still don't understand what it, what it really means. And many times just people don't know, don't know what it, what it is. So, so how is it, it is to, to introduce that? So my definition of social selling is that social selling is the art of selling without selling. That's my kind of way of putting it. And I always refer people to the social selling index on LinkedIn to help them to understand what they should be doing in order to move their SSI score from wherever it is right now up to, you know, the high 80s, which is really where the magic happens. So I, um, I usually break it down and, and link it back into LinkedIn social selling index so they can understand what they need to be doing to build their brand what they need to be doing to build their network, what they need to be doing from an engagement point of view and what they need to be doing to build relationships and getting people to understand that social selling is not a magic, you know, one that's going to fix their lead gen problem today. It's a long-term um, strategy that over time will generate them an abundance of leads if they do it really well, but it's not going to be, you know, an overnight thing. It's, it takes some time to go from, a lot of people, their SSI score is down in the 40s or 50s when they come to me. And I, I'm always like, usually within about 90 days can get them to the kind of the mid 80s when it really starts to, you know, get some traction for them. So I think the breaking it down into that social selling index, which LinkedIn provides everybody um, for free. Um, I'm sure your, your listeners are already familiar with it. But if you are, if you're new to the podcast and you haven't ever heard of the SSI score, then go to linkedin.com forward slash sales forward slash SSI and you'll be able to see what your score is today and, and understand a little bit more about that. So I think um, that's a great tool for breaking down really what truly what social selling is. But it, for me, it is the art of selling without selling. Mm. Very subtle. 
Uh, it's actually very interesting that you, you, you're putting across this, this point about SSI, social selling index and all that. Um, because honestly speaking, myself, I never really paid that much attention to, to SSI. I mean, uh, I'm over 80, 85, something uh, like this. But why would you advise somebody to actually pay attention to SSI, uh, social selling index on LinkedIn? So it's a, a great analogy. It's almost like checking your credit score. So if you know, it's almost giving you a benchmark as to where you are now and where you need to get to. So I don't know anyone that's got an SSI score in the 80s that's not getting business from LinkedIn. So when someone comes to me, it's one of the first questions I ask them is where, where are you at the moment so that they can see where the gaps are. It's a very easy tool, A, to understand and B, because it updates every 24 hours, it is something they can get instant gratification on. So going from I've got no leads to getting leads is a big leap. But going from my SSI scores 50 and two weeks later, they can go, well, I've jumped up 14 points. I must be doing something right. For me, it's such a simple tool to be able to then link back those daily, weekly and monthly habits to get them doing the right thing. So my goal is always with my clients to get them into the at least the high 70s on the free version. And obviously, if they have sales navigated, then into the mid 80s. Um, but the, as soon as they start doing that, and as soon as they start seeing that the impact of that, their profile views goes up, they get more connections, they get more leads, or everything starts to shift when they really start focusing on their SSI score. And it's for me, it's the cornerstone of everything I teach and it helps them to understand this thing called social selling. Excellent, excellent. Sam, what, what do you see as a, the main mistakes people are making on, on LinkedIn on the platform? What would you say the, uh, the main mistakes are? Well, the obvious one would be going in for a sales pitch way too early without building the relationship. That's the classic, of course, everybody. It still baffles me why, why people do that with so much information out there about not to do that. Um, so definitely going in too quickly. I always say when you sell, you will repel. So when you're selling and you're going in too quickly for that close or trying to just get somebody to buy something from you, you're just repelling people away. So it's almost like two magnets together and you're trying to force them together. You're just one repelling the other versus um, pull, which is attraction marketing, which is what really what social selling is all about, which is where you're attracting people towards you through the content you post, through the profile, through everything that you're doing on LinkedIn is to draw people towards you. That's why my book's called Linked Inbound, because if you get this right, you'll have an abundance of inbound leads coming towards you. So I think that's the first thing. People are just selling and, and not building the relationship. Um, I think the second thing is people are trying to trick the algorithm. So they, they're in these LinkedIn pods and these LinkedIn engagement groups. And, uh, you know, that used to work 18 months ago, two years ago, but LinkedIn's caught on to that now. So I think if you're in a pod or an engagement pod or something where you're all helping each other's posts to get visibility, if you keep seeing the same people on the same post or the same person's content, that's going to actually damage your reputation rather than build it. So um, that would be another one. And the third thing is my absolute hate, which is automation tools. Uh, that's my big no-no. Um, I honestly cannot stand it when I get, you can always tell when it's an automated bot that's sending something through that if you're using any automation tools, like please stop it right now. <laughs> awesome. Before we, we wrap up today's podcast, I wanted to ask you um, just a few more, few more questions. One of those will be, uh, is there anybody out there on LinkedIn who you would consider uh, to be your role model or I would, I would even use the word guru or is there anybody who you really like, like and follow and, uh, and uh, take some, some inspiration from? 
Um, well, there's quite a few people. It's a really hard question, actually. Um, I mean, I am privileged to be, you know, connected to and with a lot of other LinkedIn experts across the planet. Uh, Brenda Meller has created this LinkedIn rock stars list, which I think is a really, well, A, it's a lovely thing for her to have done. Um, but, you know, being able to follow and, and track the people who are out there that are doing this is a full-time thing. So, you know, there are certain people out there that, that do LinkedIn that I think I really respect and I, I get a lot from their content. So for example, uh, John Esperian for me is a really solid, uh, solid person that you should follow. And um, primarily because I'm not a detail girl at all, whereas he's really geeky and nerdy on all like the intricacies of everything. So I always learn a lot from John. Um, I mentioned him in my book and um, I think he's a great guy. Um, and we've never actually met in person, but I'm sure we will at some stage. But for me, um, not necessarily, I mean, more for the fact that he puts out amazing content to really help people understand the intricacies of LinkedIn. He's always testing and measuring stuff and he's got spreadsheet after spreadsheet of data on all his posts over the last year. And I'm like, God, I would never, that's just not the sort of thing I would do whatsoever. So I do rely on John a little bit for the geeky stuff and the tracking and, and measuring. Um, I think there's some great people out there killing it on LinkedIn. Um, you know, I, there's lots of people out there that are smashing their results and, it, and it's not necessarily the people with millions of followers it's quite often it's a an entrepreneur that's just come into their own and they've just doubled down on the linkedin platform and have, have really focused on making it their space um rob moore would be a good example in the uk uh, of someone that has really built his brand through linkedin um there's a real good combination of document posts linkedin live like he's doing a really good job of building his brand on this platform um, but there's so many people. I don't really necessarily think I have a role model as such. Um, I like to kind of, um, you can see, well, you won't see on the podcast, but I've got a few quotes behind me. And one of them says, you'll never influence the world by being just like it. Um, and that's a real motto of mine. And my favorite Walt Disney quote is, observe the masses and do the opposite. So I like to kind of be more of a leader than a follower. So I don't tend to t pay too much attention to what everyone else in my space is doing. I do learn from the people that I see as credible in my space, but I, um, I tend to focus on what I'm doing, not what other people are doing, if that makes sense. That makes very much sense, yes. And uh, I can see that because um, you wrote a, a lot of books and I would like to, as a, one of the last questions, I would like to ask you, you know, um, can, you, can you tell us, you know, um, which books out of out of those which which you wrote you would recommend and why yeah so i think the one that would be the most relevant and the most up to date would be linked inbound um that's my it was published last august um and i keep it as up to date as i can um so that would definitely be the one that people should grab a copy of it's on amazon in paperback and on kindle um, but that one is, it really breaks down those eight social selling strategies and links everything back into the social selling index format and gives people a real, at the end of every chapter, a real practical, here are the five things you should do now, now that you know more about this topic. Um, so I often get people coming to me saying it's such a practical, easy to read book um, that just gives them exactly what they need to do next rather than just lots of theory. So it's very practical read. So that would be the one I think that people would enjoy the most. Awesome. Last thing, what would be the one tip you would give to somebody who is just starting on LinkedIn? What would, what would be just one tip for that person? Um, my tip would be consistency because 
I think the people that come into the platform early on and they're just new to it, they've got a low number of connections. They don't really have the network yet to start getting, you know, thousands and thousands of views and everything. But I think it is just about that plugging away every day, connecting with people in your target market consistently every day, aiming to put some content out that's aimed at your target market and every day doing some engagement. If you just did those three things consistently every day, you'll start over time with patience to see that that's going to help you to, to get results. So I think that's, that would be my big thing is consistency. And um, quite often when I interview my clients that have had results, I interviewed um, one of my clients the other day, um, he's generated 80 million pounds from LinkedIn uh, on a 90 day system for 15 minutes a day, complete skeptic, didn't think it was going to work, social media dinosaur. And you know, his, his number one tip was consistency. Love it. Love it all the way through. And um, I think we could carry on for hours and hours just <laughs> chatting about, about this. this <laughs> <laughs> we need to draw the line somewhere and we need to come back to the part two some definitely. Anyway, I, I really thank you for, for your time. Uh, I know you have an extremely busy schedule and I'm really happy that we could have this chat um, on, on our LinkedIn Smart Podcast. And before we go, please, can you tell us where can we find you? Where can we go and follow and buy the books and all that stuff? So um, obviously LinkedIn profile, number one place. So if you did listen to the podcast and that's where you found me, please mention that you found me on the LinkedIn Smart Podcast because I get lots of invitations and it would be good to know that you came from this particular podcast. So connect with me on LinkedIn by all means. Um, I've got loads of articles and things there that will really help you with you know, content creation, things like that. Um, the book is LinkedIn bound. You'll find that on Amazon, Kindle paperback. And um, I have a LinkedIn Academy uh, again, all the details are on my LinkedIn profile. So if you guys want to check that out, then that's where you can go. Samra, I think it was absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much again once uh, for your for your time. And uh, I'm sure that we're gonna we need to come back again to this because uh, it was it was so enjoyable to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. Please make sure that you subscribe to our LinkedIn Smart Podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it. Thank you and see you next time. Be LinkedIn Smart.